I'm back. If you are a regular podcast listener or you are a dedicated follower, then you've probably noticed that I've been on a bit of a hiatus. Um, In today's episode, I'm going to be getting a little more personal than I have in a while. Uh, I'm going to talk about, you know, where I've been, why I got rushed in for emergency surgery, what an operation like that meant for my pregnancy that we've been trying so long to make happen. Uh, And most importantly of all, you know, it's going to be about the lessons that I learned throughout this really, really difficult time so that uh, you can learn from my, (laughs) you can learn from my, my heartache. So here we go. Where would you take your life if you knew you could not fail? I get it. As a stepmom, mom, and entrepreneur, sometimes it can feel like what everyone else expects of you versus what you dream about for yourself are on opposite ends of the spectrum. As a woman, you're taught from a very young age what society thinks you're worth based on how you look, how you behave, and how much money you're allowed to bring in. But I'm here to show you that you can be the woman who has it all and not just on the outside. I'm Brittany Lynch, and you are the queen of your castle. What is up, everybody? Brittany Lynch here, back in the saddle after almost a whole month off. Now, I wish I could say that I've been, you know, laid up on a beach somewhere or nestled in the mountains in a little cabin that has no cell service (laughs) or backpacking through South America for the last four weeks or you know, meditating in sky-high, cloud-covered temples with Buddhist monks. But alas, I've been doing none of those things. So I'm finally just slowly beginning to come back to work, Uh, come back around, I guess, after what's felt like one of probably the hardest months of my life. Uh, And when I say hard, you know, I mean hard in every aspect of my 3D experience. Mentally, emotionally, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, energetically, physically. Something I've learned over the years is that when something like this happens, when I go through something like this that really challenges all of my paradigms about the world, it's because I'm being delivered a gift. I'm being hand-delivered a gift with a pretty little bow on top. Do they feel like gifts in the moment? Like, heck no, right? But afterward, in retrospect, I can always see how my life has become exponentially better after I've gone through a period of pain, but especially suffering. And knowing what sort of relationship that most stepmoms have with pain and especially suffering, and knowing that sometimes, you know, people need reminding that, pain is necessary for transformation and knowing that you know sometimes when we're right in the the midst of pain when we're right in the midst of of suffering it can be easy to lose sight of the fact that life is not happening to you life is always happening for you right always 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 happening for you 
So I hope that by sharing this experience that I've had over the last month with you, that you're able to draw some parallels maybe in your own life. And hopefully, you know, when this episode wraps up, I'm going to leave you with a, a really profound question that that has the ability to really change your life if you let it. So hopefully uh, when this episode wraps up, you'll realize really quickly just how necessary pain is for growth. So at the end of August, uh, I got rushed in to the hospital for emergency surgery. So long story short, I had appendicitis. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's all I had was appendicitis. I had to have an emergency operation to have my appendix removed. They want to get it out as fast as possible because they want to make sure that it doesn't rupture inside of your body. If these append, if your appendix ruptures, then you can have the potential to get really, really, really sick and, and even die. So appendicitis is like, as soon as they figure out you have it, you're like in the, in the operating room. So this in itself right? Appendicitis in itself, having to go for an operation in itself, had it happened at any other time, it probably wouldn't have been a big deal, right? Like it would have been a little bit worrisome because surgery is a little creepy to me. Like you don't actually know what they're doing in your body when you're out, when you're not there, right? Hopefully nothing weird, but you don't know, right? You're not there. You don't know. You're gone. You're, you're under. And it probably would have been a little bit uncomfortable, right? But but had my appendix removed, if I had my appendix removed at any other time in my life, it really wouldn't have been a big deal to me. But this time was a particularly big deal to me because I just happened to be 10 weeks pregnant at the time. Now, I've got a rule that I live by where I don't share about things publicly that I'm still healing from or processing internally. I don't talk about anything on social media that the intention is to get sympathy from people. I don't look to social media or to anyone who's a part of, of my audience or a part of, of my programs to soothe my ego or to validate me. And unfortunately, you know, I, I do see a lot of people who use the internet as a tool to make themselves feel better. A lot of people use the internet and social media as like a dumping ground for their problems, looking for somebody to feel sorry for them. And like, also like disclaimer, I, I get it, right? I, I understand why people do that. There's so many people who do do that. It's like, I get it. I totally get it. This is not coming from a, a place of judgment. But, you know, if this is you, like if your sole intention behind social media use is to find ways to air out your dirty laundry and look for people to make you feel better and look for people to disagree with in order to make yourself be right, then you're playing a really dangerous game. And I don't want you to play a dangerous game. I love you. I don't want you to get hurt. I love you. Again, this is not coming from a place of judgment, right? Like who am I to judge you? I'm nobody. I'm nobody. I'm just an average person. I'm just like you. I'm just like everybody else. I am in no position to judge anybody. Okay. So 
the point that I'm getting at by talking about this is that I am not sharing about this experience because I'm expecting a bunch of messages being like, oh my God, you poor thing. Like you must've been so scared. I am not sharing about this hard time that I just went through because I want to make myself feel better or because I'm using this as an outlet to make myself feel better or because I'm looking for a bunch of messages to and DMs and whatever to come through of people being like, you know, offering their condolences, their sympathies. I am here for you, right? Step Queen was created for you. This show is created for you. And so the sole intention You know, I don't share anything on the podcast, on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook. I don't share anything through the step queen umbrella that doesn't have the pure intention of service, right? The pure intention of helping you. This is not about me. I'm here for you. And part of that, a really big piece of that is that I will not share anything that I'm, like I said, that I'm still in the process of working through, that I'm still in the process of healing, that I'm still in the process of untangling. Because if I haven't worked through it yet, if I'm still raw about it, if I'm still emotional about it, then who am I to offer any kind of support on the matter? So one of the things that I haven't spoken about publicly is the fact that my husband and I did have a miscarriage uh, in February on Valentine's Day weekend. Needless to say, it was uh, it was really heartbreaking for me. Um, I'd had some other kind of challenging circumstances around uh, my fertility. Plus, you know, for a long time, uh, Seamus and I couldn't really see eye to eye on growing our family anymore, on, on adding another baby to our family. So when I finally, you know, find out in July that we were pregnant again with this baby, I was ecstatic. Like I had been waiting years for this. And it was a really long, hard, painful, trying road to get to that little pink line. So when I ended up, you know, last month having to be rushed in for an operation in my first trimester, I wasn't worried about the operation. I was terrified that I was going to lose the baby. The way that the surgeon put it to me was that if I didn't have the surgery, my appendix would rupture and the baby had a 100% chance of dying if I didn't have the surgery. If I did have the surgery, they could hopefully get my appendix out before it ruptured. And if they could get it out before it ruptured, there was a better chance for everybody. But there was still a possibility that the medication they used during surgery to put you to sleep and make you forget everything would cause my body to miscarry the baby. There was also a chance so that the baby would be okay, right? And the, the and this having surgery was the best choice for me, 
right? I had the best chance of, of having a good outcome if I had had this surgery. So there I was at 10 weeks pregnant with my little rainbow baby who I'd waited so long to carry. Uh, and I was being whisked into an operating room as fast as possible. And the first thing I asked when I woke up was, is my baby okay? And the nurse in, in the recovery room, you know, she of course told me that everything was fine and she lulled me back to sleep with, <laughs> with some pain medication. But once, you know, once I was a little bit more coherent, um, I asked if anyone had checked the baby after this surgery. Now, I'm not a doctor, okay? I'm not a doctor. But I had it in my mind that after you put a pregnant mother under a general anesthetic, you would make sure that the mother and the baby were okay when it was over. Like I had it in my mind that they would have like done an ultrasound or something to make sure that the baby made it through, right? Like they are monitoring me. Shouldn't they be monitoring this baby? Well, they didn't. Okay. Like spoiler alert, they didn't monitor the baby. Um, and they didn't check after the surgery to make sure that baby was okay. Now, the doctor who was essentially in charge of my hospital stay, not my surgeon, but the doctor who I was like admitted under in the on on my post-op surgical unit, who was like the one responsible for ordering my drugs and the one who's responsible for like discharging me. This doctor would not order me an ultrasound. His exact words, like he said to me, his exact words were, at 10 weeks, there's nothing that we can do to save the baby anyway if your body was miscarrying. So there's no point in checking. There's no point offering you peace of mind, ma'am, right? There's nothing we can do anyway. So just whatever. It is what it is, right? He basically said, you know, you're just going to have to wait and see if you miscarry or not. So if you, if you don't see blood and you're not having cramping, then we're going to just assume everything's status quo, but we're going to have to wait and see because we're not checking for you to let you know if everything is okay. So that experience in itself was pretty uncomfortable. Not having this peace of mind that, that everything was okay. Um, you know, there was a lot of stuff that came up for me about like why I wasn't really being given autonomy over my body and why I didn't have the option to like make sure my baby was okay. Right. Like, a bunch of stuff, a bunch of, a bunch of stuff came up, came up for me. And because, you know, in the moment I was still assumed to be pregnant, I couldn't take any kind of pain medication. Like I just had a major abdominal surgery and I just had an organ removed, but I couldn't really take anything for pain because I was still assumed to be pregnant, but they wouldn't check, to me, but they wouldn't check to make sure, right? Like the irony isn't lost on me. So here I am in the hospital. I'm in like excruciating physical pain. Uh, I'm letting my thoughts run wild because I'm in so much physical pain that I'm like, my head is out of control. Like Gina is on a rampage. Gina has had thousands of babies at this, at this point. So this inevitably, you know, my, my, my loss of control over, over my relationship to my thoughts, this inevitably 
led me into having a, uh, an experience of some pretty intense uh, emotional suffering. I'm also stressing out, like on top of this, I'm also stressing out because not even a week before that, we just finished our uplifted launch and we just welcomed in a new group of Stepmom Story members. And I'm like, well, this looks really great. Like we've got over a dozen new members inside the Stepmom Story and I'm MIA, I'm in the hospital. Like this looks terrible, right? Like I love my stepmom story members. I want to have, want to make a good impression. I want them to feel welcome and excited to be in the program and I'm gone, right? Like I'm not, I'm nowhere to be found. So at the time, it really felt like the walls were, uh, were closing in around me. Then I got into all of my stories and all of my head garbage and all of my like, poor me, poor me victim mentality, my post-op instructions, like after I got discharged from the hospital, my post-op instructions include the fact that I'm not allowed to lift anything more than 10 pounds for six weeks after my surgery. So that meant, you know, no kickboxing, no yoga. I'm not even allowed to pick Rory up, right? Like 10 pounds is not a lot. That's a bag of potatoes. So in retrospect, you know, now that I'm on this side of it, I can see how I was being challenged to become more conscious of my attachments. At the time, right, at the time when I was in it, I was like up to my head, (laughs) up to my nostrils and in muck. But in retrospect, like I can appreciate the evolution now. The evolution is becoming clear. There are things that are being made um, apparent to me that show me why this was so important for me in in my ever continuing path of of growth. And I want to share with you, you know, in order to get to this other side, in order to be like, yeah, everything that happened was a really good thing. Because I believe, you know, sitting here right now recording this episode, I do believe that everything that happened was a really good thing. So I want to share with you one of my favorite questions of all time. One of the most profound questions that I've ever contemplated on. I've contemplated and journaled on this question so many times. And like when I say it's one of the most profound questions that you can ever be asked in your life I'm not exaggerating. This question has the potential to be so powerful if you allow it, if you give it the space that it deserves. So this question and and how you choose to answer it, how you choose to interpret it, how you choose to approach it, this question literally holds the keys to your happiness. It holds the keys to why you are not happy and offers you a solution for happiness, for a life without suffering. Not a life without pain, but a life without suffering. So make sure if you're not driving that you've got your journal handy. Um, I'm going to share it in in just a second, but I I, I want to kind of go into more of like the lessons that, that I took away from this experience a little bit more before that. So one of the one of the things that really stood out to me was the proof 
for me that the work is never done, right? I always say this all the time. One of the reasons that the stepmom story is a lifetime program is because the work is never done. You are never done growing. You are never done evolving. You are never done. You are never done encountering experiences that will challenge you mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually to grow. So the work is never done, right? And for all of the intense, intense spiritual and psychological and emotional healing work that I have done over the years. For all the times that I've reflected on on things like my own attachments, for all the times that I've invited other people, clients, to take a look at their own attachments, aka their own cause of suffering, I still get caught up in mine, right? I kind of have this expectation that I should know better by now, right? That's not a helpful, that's not a helpful mentality to have. Like I should know better. Um, But there is that little like, okay, okay, right? Like you've been over this how many times and you are still back here. You're still learning this lesson over and over and over again. But I really do believe, you know, the more, the more clients that I work with, um, the more minds, beautiful minds that I get invited into to help kind of sort through what's going on, the more I get to know humans and and the human condition and the way our minds think. I really, I really believe that that the human condition is just so wired for clinging, to cling. Desire is so ingrained in our in our social customs especially us here in the west right like this this belief that i'll be happy when i have this that we're sold hundreds of times a day right how many times have you been sold the idea that you'll be happy when you have this thing you'll be happy when you have this job title you'll be happy when you have this house when you have these this number of bathrooms when you have this number of babies when you have this number of dogs you'll be happy when you get the ring you'll be happy when the ex-wife moves to nantucket right i'll be happy when and we're sold that we're marketed that we're sold that we're asked to digest that we are programmed with this belief that i'll be happy when And because of that, I believe that, especially for us in the West, like I said, the human condition is such that we are always clinging to something. We're always clinging to the belief that happiness is just around the next corner. And because of that, because of this really deeply ingrained social, essentially custom that we've got programmed into us, I really am convinced that you and I and Sally and Bob, we're all going to be students of non-attachment for as long as we're living. I'm going to explain what I'm talking about. (laughs) It's like, you're like, what the hell is she talking about? I'm going to explain it in just a second. Like, what am I talking about? Right? Like, if you're asking like, what's she talking about? What's non-attachment? What's attachment? What's, what is she talking about? Like, I know what suffering is. I do it every day, (laughs) but what is she talking about? Attachment, non-attachment. These are, um, these are, this is a Buddhist, hold, before you turn off, this is a Buddhist interpretation. Um, I cannot 
I can't take credit for these, for these principles. These are, these are Buddhist principles in no way, shape or form. Am I, am I, um, saying that you have to follow Buddhist doctrine in order to be happy? It's just a, a, a principle that, that I find has been really helpful in my own life. So the principles of attachment and non-attachment are, are really fundamental, um, to, specific types of of buddhism but the but the principles themselves are universal and really do not have a container in which they have to be practiced in or thought in so it doesn't matter what sort of religion or, or spirituality that you associate yourself with these principles are still relevant because you're still a human being okay um so when I talk about attachment, when I, when I share about attachments, um, when I relay my interpretation of what attachments are, because I didn't come up with this concept, right? I'm just relaying an interpretation that I have that's skewed by my own biases, skewed by my own view of the world, right? This is, I am one person of many who has shared this message. So, when I talk about attachments in this context, obviously I'm not talking about um, like childhood attachments to caregivers, which is also something I do, talk, which is also something I do talk about. So I can understand if there's any confusion. It's a really important conversation. Childhood attachments to caregivers this is another important conversation. We'll have it many times over many other occasions, but that's not what I'm talking about today. Um, and really importantly, I want to explain, you know, what does this conversation of, of attachments and non-attachment and suffering have to do with you specifically? How can this help you specifically? How can you take what I suffered through in the last month, the lesson that I came out on the other side, and how can you apply some of those things to your own life to reduce suffering in your own life? So for the sake of brevity, uh, attachments are basically... People, places, things, opinions, beliefs, or desires that people like you and I cling to as a perceived source of happiness. Okay, so people, places, things, opinions, beliefs, desires that people cling to as a perceived source of happiness. I'll be happy when. So in other words, anything that you believe gives your life value, meaning, importance, pleasure, etc., you more than likely have an attachment to that thing. There's a 99% chance that you are listening to the words coming out of my mouth right now or that you are a step queen client or both because you have experienced some sort of suffering in your life that has been amplified by the people in your step family or other circumstances of your life or dreams of yours that have not yet been realized. The problem though, The problem with attachment is that you and I, we very literally, when we have attachments, we are very literally placing our inner peace, 
our happiness, our well-being, our joy, our solitude into the hands of other people or into material items that can literally catch fire and disintegrate into nothing or into job titles that can be taken away or into money that can be taken away or into businesses that can go bankrupt. You've probably heard this cliche before, but the only constant in life is change. And when you and I go placing our proverbial happiness eggs into baskets that can die and be destroyed and can be taken from us and can change their minds, then we're playing a game of life that we can and will never win. Like, in fact, I'm going to get a little vulnerable here for a second, but there was a point just after I'd come home uh, from the hospital and my body hurt so badly I could barely move. Remember, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't take any pain medication. My body hurt so badly I could barely move. I couldn't show up for my clients, my alumni clients or my brand new beautiful clients who just came into the stepmom story. I couldn't record a podcast episode. I couldn't even shoot an Instagram story. And I I was unable to show up in my role as wife and mother, at least in the way that I have like created the expectations of that role to be for myself. Couldn't, I couldn't like fulfill this role that, that I usually would have, right? I can't lift anything more than 10 pounds. I couldn't even pick up my own baby. He's not a baby anymore. He's massive, but, but I couldn't pick him up. I can't pick up Rory, right? So I'm still two weeks away from being able to, to pick him up. And I was worried. I was obsessively worried that I had just lost my second baby my second pregnancy in six months and when I tell you that I was absolutely overwhelmed with sadness like I was overwhelmed with sadness I was so I was so 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 sad I was so sad and I would just lay in bed and cry and I had these thoughts these thoughts bouncing through my head about how worthless I was. And when Seamus saw me and he saw how upset I was and, you know, he tried comforting me and asking me, you know, what's wrong? I just said to him point blank, like, I feel like my life has no meaning. I feel worthless. I feel like there's no point. And that, my friend, is the power of attachments. I'd gotten so wrapped up and consumed in my ego self. So wrapped up in my, in my separateness, you know, so wrapped up in my own identity, in, in the titles and the quirks and the traits that set me apart from other people. In, in the longing for another baby, I'd gotten so caught up in, in my business and, and in my obligations and in my visions for the future. 
and in my perceived importance of it all, that I really had allowed the value of my life to be reduced to something very dangerous. Because all of that could go up in smoke in an instant. And for me, for a brief period of time, it did. Everything that had worked so hard to say made up me, Brittany Lynch, was for that moment in time, I couldn't access any of that. I could access none of it. And so I wonder, you know, as you're listening to this, I wonder if you have anything coming to mind about maybe any people or any places or any things or any dreams that your happiness has been really dependent on. I wonder if you might be, you know, maybe beginning to consider just how much meaning that you have assigned to your relationships, how important you've made your relationships, how important you have made your next career milestone, um, how needed that you've made yourself become in the lives of others in order to gain a sense of importance. And I wonder if, you know, maybe you're beginning to consider where in life would you be absolutely devastated if you were to have a person or place or thing be removed from your lived experience? If you were to have someone very close to you die, if you were to have your dream home catch on fire, if you were to have your dream vehicle be stolen, right? If you were to lose your dream job. Answer these questions really honestly. You know, where would you be absolutely devastated if you were to lose people, places, things, dreams? And when you identify you know, starting with like, if you consider who would I be like, who it's usually, I say who, because most of our biggest attachments as people are, are in our relationships, right? Humans are very social creatures. We, we need other humans uh, to survive. So a lot of our biggest attachments come from our relationships and a, a big fear of, of losing those relationships, and so we can really act out in a lot of ways that are that are hurtful to ourselves and to others because we've got this fear that we'll lose that relationship one day. This is very relevant to stepmoms. Okay. This is very relevant to jealousy issues with our partner's exes. This is very relevant to jealousy issues between how we feel about our partners spending time with their kids. Right. If we get jealous that they're not spending enough time with us, this is all this is all rooted in attachment. So when you figure out, you know, which of these things do I value the most and am I most afraid to lose or most afraid to never have, you're going to start identifying the roots of the suffering that you have in your life. That's a really amazing and powerful gift to give to yourself. And. I'm going to offer you um, an analogy that came to me as as I was kind of outlining this episode. Um, 
I was looking out the window and the, you know, it's, it's autumn, it's September. Um, the leaves are starting to turn, right? I love the fall. I love the autumn. It's probably my favorite season. So I was, I was outlining this episode and looked out the window and I, and I see this beautiful yellow tree just right in front of me. It's right, right, right ahead, right through my gaze. So I, this analogy came to me to kind of help explain attachment and how you can still love people and, and places and things, still love them and get joy from them without being attached. Because this is a really confusing concept if you're like, am I just supposed to not care? Am I just supposed to be aloof? Am I just supposed to like be disinterested in everything? And that's that's not what non-attachment is, right? A little bit confusing. So so let me give you a, um, an analogy that hopefully will help this to make um, a little bit more a little bit more tangible sense. So if you love live somewhere um, like I do, that's got four seasons. There's spring where the trees start to wake up. They send out their cute little green buds. The cherry blossoms come out. The plum flowers come out. The apple blossoms come out. The lilacs are out, right? Spring, little buds, little leaves, the flowers come. And the next season is summer. And the flowers go away. We've appreciated them. The flowers go away. The leaves are out. They're big and they're green and the trees are growing, right? They do their growing in the summer. And then next after that comes autumn. And for a lot of people like me, autumn is is a favorite season. It's a really beautiful, magical season. There's all sorts of colors and textures and contrast that we get to observe with our senses in the autumn. And, you know, not only that, but we've got autumn photos, p- pumpkin spices back, right? We really embrace this, this changing landscape because it's so, it's so beautiful. Every single year, it's so, it's so beautiful. And we don't say, you know, when I look out the window and I see this yellow, this tree whose leaves have turned yellow, I don't say... I can't go on living, right? I can't go on living because these leaves have died and they're falling off. I don't say, oh, the leaves are turning yellow. Well, I guess I suck at life. I failed at life because I couldn't save those leaves from dying. There's nothing. I tried everything and I could not save those leaves. I couldn't make it happen. I couldn't make them turn green again. You don't do that. Right? We don't make the leaves turning yellow mean anything about ourselves. We just observe the trees. We observe the trees as they move through the seasons with us. We appreciate that part of their life cycle. But that life cycle, for most people anyway, ab- has absolutely no bearing on how you feel every single day. Why? Because you're not attached. You're not attached to the tree. You can respect it. You can admire it. And you can find beauty in it. And you can appreciate it. And you can get joy from it. 
And you can do all of that while your inner monologue and your sense of well-being stays basically unchanged. Your moods are not dictated by where the tree is in its life cycle. So in the grand scheme of things, my husband and my children and my own physical body and my business and my dream house, they're no different than, than the trees. The only difference is the way in which I choose to relate to each of those things. The way in which I have attached to each of those things. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with that, with that question that I mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, the most powerful question that that you'll probably could ever be asked in your in your whole entire life. And if you're not driving, I hope you've got your journal ready. Um, if you are driving, press pause and come back to this. Don't forget to come back because this question is amazing. So the it's a two part question. Okay, the part one is just for uh, comparison, I guess. So first part of the question is I want you to describe who you are. Who are you? If I'm a stranger and I'm just meeting you for the first time, how would you introduce yourself to me? So journal on that for as long as it takes before you have nothing left to write. Everything that you can think of that makes you, you. And pause this episode until you're done that, until you can't write anything else to describe who you are. So pause that episode, get ready. Okay, did you pause it? Did you do it? Did you journal? I hope you did. I hope so. Um, the second part to this question, okay, this is the, this is the profound part. If I asked you to tell me who you were, but you couldn't describe yourself to me based on your relationship to other people, places, things, or your dreams, how would you introduce yourself to me? If you couldn't say, I'm a wife, I'm a fiance, I'm a girlfriend, I'm a stepmom, I'm a mom, I'm a dog mom, I'm a cat mom, I'm a horse person. If you couldn't say where you lived or who your friends were or what you did for work or where you went to college, who would you tell me that you were? Who are you without relationships to people, places, things. Really, really, you don't have to do anything, but I, I really, 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 really invite you, encourage you to let yourself contemplate and, and answer this question. Uh, let yourself sink into it. Give it the time and the space and, and, and the attention 
that it, that it deserves. Um, I think you'll, you will be really surprised at, at what ends up coming up for you. And, and I also, you know, <laughs> I don't, a lot of people's first in- instincts will be to be like, I don't know. That's too hard. I'm not answering that. I don't know is a lazy answer. Okay? I don't know is rooted in fear. You're not lazy. You want to know. There's a reason you're still listening to this right now. There's a reason of all the other things that you could be giving your attention to right now that you are listening to this exact sentence come out of my mouth. So maybe that reason is to invite you to to get really curious, right? Like if you notice resistance, notice it. Don't judge it. If you notice your first instinct is to say to yourself, oh, I don't know. Notice that. Just notice. Just notice. Just observe. Just get curious. Get to know yourself. And if you are wondering, if you're still wondering, I'm very happy to report that yes the little baby is just fine just fine growing away just fine joining us in March we've got a little fighter on our hands so um yeah feels good to be back I will be easing back in slowly you know I'm going to be spacing podcast episodes out to be coming out every two weeks um, instead of every single week I'm really uh, one of my one of my own takeaways throughout this last month was was really how much I want to simplify my life um, yeah so I'll see you in a couple of weeks for our next show and I I would really love to hear what you end up coming up with in your in your journal exercise. So please don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram at the Step Queen and we can talk. I'm I'm so excited to hear to hear how that exercise went for you. Make sure that you have subscribed, rated and reviewed the show depending on where you are viewing from and I will see you in a couple of weeks with our next episode. Take care. I wanted to let you know about a special online mini training that I'm offering for free for a limited time. It's called Peace Love Stepmom. And not to toot my own horn, but beep beep, it's pretty freaking awesome. Peace Love Stepmom will give you the exact steps to take in order to create more harmony in your step family without feeling like you have to walk on eggshells or bite your tongue or ignore your own needs just to keep the peace. Because if you are listening to this, then chances are pretty good that you know there's a big difference between not fighting and actually feeling peaceful. To enroll in Peace Love Stepmom and get immediate access to this incredible online course, head to peacelovestepmom.com and sign up. It's totally free. You don't want to miss it. So go to peacelovestepmom.com to enroll and get immediate access. 
I hope this episode got your wheels turning and showed you just how powerful you are. I would invite you to take 30 seconds and tap subscribe to this podcast. When you subscribe to the podcast, then rest assured you will never miss an episode. And in no time, spinning your wheels will be a thing of the past. Thank you for listening and subscribing. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the absolute world to me if after you subscribed, you jumped on over and left me a five-star review and better yet, a written review. I am on a mission to let every mom and stepmom know that you can create the life of your dreams. And I need your help to change the world. The world needs us. Thank you so much for subscribing and leaving me a five-star review. I will see you next week. For more behind-the-scenes action and to get really up close and personal with me and our beautiful step family, jump on over to Instagram and follow me at the step queen. Don't be shy. Send me a DM. Tag me in your posts, tag me in your stories, let me know what you're up to and what about the podcast has been blowing your mind. I cannot wait to get to know you better and Instagram is my jam. I love you so much. I love you so much. Make it rain, girlfriend. <laughs>